Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello! Hello, how are you? Oh, George, it's so nice to chat to you. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm um, currently on, what is it? I mean, I don't know, day 550 of being stuck in the house with two children and Judgy oh, James. Oh, God, how have you coped with all of that? Do you know what? It's actually been okay, weirdly, because I think the last time we were all locked down, um, we didn't have an end date. Whereas with this time, we're obviously we can't even go out for exercise or anything. We are in our house and garden and that's it. There is an end date. So I think it's a bit easier. You're an absolute saint. And I just like to say <laughs> that I love the fact that you've turned it into a positive because that is just you yeah. all over, isn't it, G? <laughs> Tell me that at the end of the day, you fucking kick your feet against the wall and scream and have a minor tantrum. Just a little one. You know one. what? I want to say that I thought I would. <laughs> I really did. Like, I mean, before last lock, you know, last oh, lockdown, yeah. I did. I, that was it. Was horrendous. But actually, this time around, maybe we're just good at it now. Maybe yeah. we're just used to it. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's not going to be as hard. If you know, I, I mean, there's probably quite a few parents listening to this whose kids have been sent home from school and, and been told they've got yeah. quarantine for 14 days. Um, I think it's something that a lot of us are going to have to get used to. I guess. Yeah, and also I don't know about you, but. I found it slightly strange week or so because obviously you know the kids are picking up bugs because they've been back at school and you know I was a bit coldy last week and I was sort of having to make all these excuses like oh you know just a cold and I didn't I didn't want to sneeze or I didn't even want to cough in public and there is a bit of a weird energy around the place so um, yeah I'm definitely feeling it in fact I'll be completely honest with you I, I, I did feel the weight of everything um over the last kind of four or five days just like obviously after Boris's announcement and all the pubs and everything closing at 10 and it just feels like we're going backwards again doesn't it I know I know it's such a weird it's such a weird time but also how weird like you know you can go to the pub and be with like a hundred people or whatever inside the pub and you know apparently you can catch coronavirus but you can share a bunk bed with your husband who's got coronavirus <laughs> and not catch it oh, how is that I cannot believe that you got a negative test result so this is what I think I mean I don't know what to believe anymore I don't know I don't your post killed me when you were like I've been practicing socially distancing myself from James for the 
last 10 years. Amazing. <laughs> but also, how, yeah. how do you even start comprehending, if you work in the theatre or the arts industry, the fact that you can sit on a plane with 300 yeah. other people but you yeah, can't go with, in a theatre. I mean, yeah, with regurgitated air on a plane. Oh. This is what I, I mean. I can't. I'm. I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. I, I'm, this this whole couple of weeks has been such a weird experience. Yeah. Um. Oh, I, just, I don't know. We just got lost for words. There's on two this. things we need to do for you. This is keep having these <laughs> keep having these conversations <laughs> over the podcast and just drink. We've got to yeah, drink through absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god! How exciting is this week? I know it's really exciting um yeah we've got a great interview lined up haven't we Zoe it's you know I say it at the um at the top of the podcast when we get into the chat but this really was a moment where George and I just went is this actually happening because I mean she is a megastar this lady and she's married to a megastar she's been on our screens for the last however many years she's done everything from singing to dancing to presenting to you know acting and she not only that but she's just Every time you see an interview, every time you see her talking on the telly or you see it in the press, you just think, oh, my God, she's just one of us. Even though she's yeah, all she- of those things, she's just super down to earth. She's got a wicked sense of humor. And we knew that we were going to get a really honest chat from her, didn't we? Absolutely. I think we should get straight into it. Oh, come on. Who are we chatting to today, G? Today we are chatting to Ida Williams. So welcome to another episode of the podcast. To be honest with you, this is a bit of a pinch me moment on the podcast today uh, because uh, this guest is somebody that we have both wanted to sit down with since we started these chats like, what, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Who is known on both sides of the pond for her very, very straight talking attitude and her brilliant (laughs) humour. She is a presenter, an actress, a model, a mum. She's got four kids, Teddy, Charlie, Coco and Bo, and she's wife to, well, pretty much one of the biggest names in music, but. But in our eyes, she's the star. Yes, today's guest is Ida Williams. Yay! Wow. Wow, that was quite the intro. I feel a lot more special than I do normally. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was like, can you just read that to me before I go to sleep so I feel good? That was amazing. I'm going to put it on a voice note for you, and then you can just yeah. play it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so I was good at that. I'm not sure I'm that impressive, but go on then. I like it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> welcome, welcome. How have you been? How's lockdown been and how's the summer been? And kind of talk to us about how life at the uh, Williamses is. Wow. I mean, lockdown. What a what a weird fucking time we're living in, huh? Like yeah. just bizarro. I don't, I don't know. I feel like lockdown has been an incredibly bipolar experience in the sense that there's just been so many highs and so many lows and it's, it's been like, there's been moments in it where I thought, I mean, I think when we all, you know, this all broke out and this all happened, it was like, it was like free fall. It was like, oh my God, what the fuck do we do? Oh my God, we're in the house. What do we do? We can't get food. We can't get toilet paper. You know, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was weird. It was like, I, I, there was, there was moments when we didn't have like, we didn't have any food in our house. And I was like, oh God, wow, this is okay. You know, like, <laughs> And um and then there were been moments where you know you do that thing where you're like wow this is great I'm getting to spend time with my family we're normally running around doing stuff I don't really need to be doing anything I don't even need to shave or wash or 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 just present myself in any kind of civilized manner because no one's going to see me and this is really awesome this yeah. is cool this is what life's about you know and like me and my kids and this is good home time and then it'll like would flip into 
get the fuck out of the house. Get me the fuck out of here. My kids are driving me fucking crazy. You know, it was just, and then it'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. I got it. I'm in a rhythm. I get quarantined. Yeah, it's weird, oh, isn't it? Like that massive high. Yeah. Did you guys go through the period where you didn't like, because I went through a long period, a very long period where I actually just slept in and wore pajamas all day long. Like, yeah, do you know what? It's so nice to hear you talk about it like that because it's exactly been exactly the same in our houses, hasn't it, Zoe? And I'm actually going through it again now because my husband's got COVID. So I'm in the house for two weeks and it's quite good to remind myself of what it's going to be like, what we're going to go through over the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, But were you like the crafty family, like doing the crafts and the baking or were you the like, no, let's not do any of it? I was a bit shit mom, I think. I don't know. I mean, like, I think, I mean, I got really excited because I like, I had these friends that were taking up crafts and I was like, I'm going to take up a craft. So I got like a needlepoint set because I was like, that's the way forward. And Rob was doing all sorts of art. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just languish in self-pity and chocolate. I'm going to pick up a craft. And then- the, the <laughs> fucking kit came. The kit came, by the way, like like three months later, because of course everything was on back yeah. order. So at that point, my like fervor for picking up a craft had completely subsided, and I just didn't care when it came. And I didn't order the right parts, and it was like there was like other needles I needed, and those were on back order. So <laughs> I just kind of that never happened with the kids. I mean, I did a lot of baking but I don't even know if it was like it wasn't pretty cute like let's do themed baking oh, or cupcakes so or yeah it was just like I just want to eat cake so let's just make cake it was yeah. just like if the cake ends like, up looking like a giant turd at least it's a cake yes like, yeah. yeah exactly it looked like a turd there was nothing <laughs> cute about it you know it was we, we it was just an excuse to basically feed our emotions with sugar so that was what we did I, I think there were moments where I felt really proactive with my children. Like this is, this is, this is great because I'm going to, I'm going to teach them things about life and we're going to, we're going to learn to garden in the back garden. We're going to plant tomatoes and avocados. And then there were days where I was like, do you guys want to watch Netflix? Is yeah. it just Netflix yeah. day? And we got, we got really good into watching eighties films. If that's a, if that's a craft, then yes, I did craft. <laughs> Georgia, I knew we were going to love this woman because she's basically. You, this is basically what every parent thinks, but it's not sometimes what you see. It's not the curated version on Instagram that you sometimes see. And I think there's there, there can no. be a lot of insecurity instilled because you see all these amazing parents doing all of this shit, and you're like, oh my fucking god, I have not made a dinosaur out of a bog roll today, so I feel like a complete no. Failure. There were no there, there were no bog roll dinosaurs there were no hand sanitizer castles i mean <laughs> i, I think, didn't see those hand well, sanitizer castles. Well, I, I just made that up but i'm sure some bitch did that and it wasn't <laughs> me but you know i mean there were moments where i felt like enlightened a bit where i did more and i i did things like like i set up a little teepee area for them to sleep in but i i wouldn't call that kind of going past and above and beyond like i did my best I think we all tried our best. There were definitely moments where I felt like I was in my groove and then moments where I thought I was the worst parent in the world and that um, my children were pissing me off and when is this going to end? So, you know, I, I'm definitely not a perfect mom, I would say. It's definitely never been a description I would pin pin, pin on myself. I, I did my best, you know, like my kids did their best. My husband did his best. I think 
you know, the world was going a bit mad. I tried to start taking my kids on hikes because we have this hike in our back garden. We're really lucky. We have this like kind of mountain. So I, I kind of started by, there was a moment where I thought we were going so stir crazy that there was, you know, we really didn't leave to go walk or anything. So we went up the back of the house and we started doing meditations Wow. Which seemed to help. But then even that, I, you know, it kind of fell by the wayside at a certain point because, oh, yeah, we've done that now. But, um, you know, I think also for me in the backdrop was my mom at the end of January was diagnosed with cancer. So it was a really hard time. It was like it was like 2020 started off with a really shit note for me anyway um, in that sense. And so I think there was like in the backdrop of all this stuff, there was just so much fear and panic about my mom and taking care of her and then having to move her out of the house because she lives with us, but being afraid of the kids touching her or somehow getting something, you know? So I feel like there were these ebb and flows where I felt super proactive and super inspired. And then literally it could be the next day and I didn't want to get out of the bed. And I was like, this is suffocating and overwhelming. And how are we going to live like this? So, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was a, a I was, I wasn't Mary Poppins. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, what is it? Mama June from, from the, from the, what, what is the honey boo boo family where she's like a crack addict? I wasn't that. I wasn't Mary Poppins. I Fine. was somewhere, like, in, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle, somewhere, somewhere happily, maybe slightly tipsy in the middle. Um, listen, Ida, before we kind of get into your life as a parent and we want to talk to you about Robbie as a dad and stuff, I kind of wanted you to like cast your mind back to your life in America before you ended up living in the UK with your now husband. How did you end up in Los Angeles and kind of was it always your ambition to work in showbiz and media and telly and stuff? Well, I was born in Los Angeles, so I, I was just I was just there Plunk by there. birth. Yeah. I was I was plonked there. I was conceived there and I was forcefully birthed there against my will. So um you know, LA's <laughs> always been always been home to me. I think I think I always wanted to be an actress, but I think because I grew up in LA and I saw so many aspiring actors, models, dancers, writers, producers, you name it, around me, I thought it was like the worst cliche. So for most of my childhood teenage years, I actually tried to do everything but act because I thought it was like the worst conclusion my life could have was to be an actress. I just thought, no, I'm a smart girl. There's better things I can do. Let me just, you know, let me just focus at school. So I did really well at school and I was studying to be an international tax attorney because I just thought that was the most stable job where I could travel and take care of myself. I didn't really want to be in Los Angeles because I, I, you know, my grandmother grew up in Paris. My uncle lived in London. I felt very European, even though I wasn't. Uh, and so for me, I, I actually wanted to get out of Los Angeles. But then, you know, this 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 acting thing, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't outrun it. It was really what I wanted to do. And I got, you know, when I finally made that decision for myself and I decided I was not going to be a tax attorney, um, I then got very lucky and, and, and I mean, through this very bizarre, crazy story. And if I were to tell you, it would be the whole podcast, but I got very, very lucky and, and booked this job on a, on a soap opera called uh, Days of Our Lives. Yes, I know. And, and it was literally like my first audition. So, you know, it was, a, it was, it, by the way, totally deceiving because it made it look like it was really easy to get acting jobs. <laughs> so I was like, oh, why didn't I do this before? It's super easy. You just go out and they give it to you. Uh, was it but, it was lit. Well, it was, I, I, it kind of started because I, I was in LA and I came back from university and I didn't know how to get started. And 
the acting classes at UCLA, which I thought were good. I didn't know acting. I just knew UCLA had a good acting department, but I had to do nighttime school because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't at the university and the only class they had open was performing stand-up comedy. So I enrolled in that halfway through and, you know, the lady who taught the class thought I was really funny. So she said, why don't you perform at the comedy store? So I performed my first performance at the comedy store. An agent came up to me and he said, hey, you're really funny. What's your deal? I'd like to send you out on a few things to see how you do. And the first thing was Days of Our Lives. And so I wasn't represented by him. He just wanted to see. So I booked it. And then, you know, then then I decided I wasn't going to be a lawyer. That was that was done pretty quickly. Days of Our Lives is the program in Friends that Joey Tribbiani got the role. Yes, in, right. That's that's exactly. the one. <laughs> exactly. By the way, do you know that Julia Roberts is a fan of the show? And I've always felt like, God, wouldn't that be nice to meet Julia Roberts, who's like one of my acting heroes, and like think that she might even know who I am if I put on an Italian accent and introduce <laughs> myself as Angela Maroni. <laughs> I love that too, by the way. Oh my God, she's a oh, God, she's great. In fact, my whole outfit the other day was basically, you know, the end scene in Pretty Woman where she's climbing out of the yeah. got that black blade. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That was me. Oh, God, I like that. That's so sexy. Was that school pickup or what was that? <laughs> Literally just down the shops for some milk. I just Perfect. Thought, I mean, Perfect. Why not? I, I, hope, I hope you got a pint for free. So you're in the show in America, in Los Angeles, yeah. and yeah. how do you end up meeting Robbie Williams? Well, okay, so at the time, I was on a show called uh, uh, Studio 60, or Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which funnily enough was with Matthew Perry from Friends. So the circle continues. Anyway, so I was on this show called um, uh, uh, Studio 60, I don't know why I'm struggling with my S's today. Uh, Studio 60. And um, I was on Warner Brothers stage and next to it was an actor, funnily enough, uh, who I had been on a show with, a show years ago called Eve, which was a sitcom with Eve, the rapper. And yep. it was an actor named Sean McGuire. And yes. Um, yes, and he was on the stage next to me on whatever sitcom he was on. Uh which I had almost got. So it was like this weird ancestral thing. So anyway, we were working on these stages and we worked on a show kind of together years ago, but we didn't really know each other. And he was friends with a mutual friend called Callum. So every year for my birthday, my brother would have a a dinner at this restaurant called Trader Vic's in Los Angeles. And Callum was a really good friend of ours. And so he invited Callum to stop by his birthday dinner. And I guess they were, because I guess they were en route to a party to meet Robbie or something. So Callum brought Sean. They came to dinner. I was at the dinner. And I don't know, it always came down to why I was single. Every every meal I had from like 23 onwards was, why are you single? So anyway, so so they sat down and they started saying, well, we're meeting a friend. Robbie, he's great. You guys need to meet, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know who Robbie Williams was. It was like this name that sounded vaguely familiar, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what he looked like, what his songs were. I didn't, I didn't know who he was, but so they wanted to set me up. I had sworn I would never go on another blind date again. Cause I'd been through a slew of them and they all sucked. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm just over it. I'm going to just be really successful. And I'm going to be a, a virgin, a born again, virgin. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm I love animals. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'll get an Oscar instead. That's what I'll do. I'll get an Oscar. So, which was totally delusional. Anyway. So, um, so anyway, we, we kind of, they give him my number. We, we start texting. 
you know, he keeps, he was on like weird pop star hours where he'd kind of invite me over at like midnight. I was like, who is this dude? And so I worked. Do you think that was booty call? Or did you think that was just like, yeah, I, was like point? I was like, are you, are you trying to booty call me? Is yeah. this what actually happened? No. Well, it turns out he was on weird like pop star hours. So he was getting up at like 6 PM. That was his like wake up time. And I was working a job. I was on a TV show. So I was getting up at 6.30 in the morning and working like 16-hour days. So there was no way I was booty call or not going to be rendezvousing with Mr. Williams at midnight. So anyway, it, we were like, it was just not getting off to a start. Finally, he suggested lunch one day. And I said, okay, let's meet for lunch. And then that day, I never fucking heard from him. And I was like, oh, you bastard. I was like, you stood me up. I was like, listen, there is literally no point to standing. Well, first of all, there's no point to standing anyone up, but like, there's no point in standing up someone you don't know. So, so the next day I was like, that is so lame. So the next day I bumped into Callum at an audition or something. I can't remember what it was. And he said, how did your date go? And I was like, well, <laughs> let me just tell you. And I go into this rant about what a wanker Rob is, how he stood me up. And so the next thing I know is that I'm I don't know, I'm at the pharmacy or the market and I get this private caller on my phone. And and we all know, we never answer a private caller. Yeah. No. Never. It's always yeah. no. man. It's really annoying. It's never good. Yeah, it's never good. There's no one like really awesome that calls private caller no. ever. No. So so he leaves this funny message. It's him and it's it's something like to know me is to hate me, but you can't hate me till you know me. And he makes some joke and I laughed out loud. And I was like, oh crap, he's funny. He's funny, <laughs> which is like, which is like my biggest weakness. So, uh, so we 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 finally end up making a plan. All I will say, it was the most bizarre, insane rock star, pop star, crazy first date. And at the end of it, I was totally smitten. Uh, We've heard you yeah. talk about the love attacks on your it podcast. Was, yeah. was it a love yeah. attack? It was a love attack. At first, it was like, who's this weirdo attack? And I'm not into this guy attack. <laughs> I was not into him for the first bit of the day. It was weird. And he can explain why one day, but he was a weirdo. But um, but uh, but it there was, was a weirdo on the date. Like at the beginning, it was like his house was dark. It was all brown. He was like, it was quiet. It was just like, we were like sat in the dark. I didn't know what the fuck was. I was like, here am I. <laughs> It was like The Shining. I was like, who is this guy? My friends called because he said, I'll take you back to the party because there was a party. And they were like, are you all right? It seemed really weird because they had dropped me off. I was like, no, I'm fine. I think they thought I was going to get killed. So (laughs) by the way, in America, we don't really know who Robbie Williams is. So he could be a serial killer. Um, So anyway, he was not a serial killer, obviously. Thank God for that. Thank God. Thank God. Tattooed pop star serial killer. I mean, I mean, Can I just... Can I just say I was super impressed by the tattoos because I had never yeah. dated a guy with tattoos. And when he took off his shirt, I was like, oh, my God, what a bad boy. I mean, it was like so cliche because I'm so square. I don't have a single tattoo. So it was like, oh, I'm being so naughty. Do you know, it was yeah. just like, yeah. it, was, it was it was silly. But, he, you know, we had this moment on the couch, and I swear to God, there was something really – there was something really divine that happened where all of a sudden the universe opened up and and I totally and completely understood who this man was and he totally completely understood who I was and I felt like it was an electric moment I felt like I'd known him my whole life it was bizarre and it was a very palpable feeling and it was funny because I didn't say that to him at the time because I thought that will come off strange if I go hey did you feel that really electric moment I thought mm, not the best thing to say yeah. 
play, play it cool, girl. And um, and then later, when he was telling the story of how we met, maybe like a year later, he described this moment on the couch. And he was like, it was like this electric moment on the couch. And then proceeds to describe it in the exact same way. Oh so I was like, God. wow. So it, was, it was a thing. It was officially a thing, I'm going to say. So, you know, ever since then... He's he's my he's my 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 little Bezzy, and it was it was an up and down roller coaster. We, we you know we we got together, then he broke up with me, then it happened back together, broke up, and by the third time, finally, um, when I almost had just completely written him off, he kind of figured it out, and we've been together ever since. I mean, Aww. sometimes they need it. Sometimes they need yeah. that little, little, you know, nudge. <laughs> little or, kick up the butt. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to have kids with him? Do you know what? It was so funny. When I met Robbie, he said, I never want to get married and I never want to have kids. So I would just like to say that I'm always right. Um, yes. <laughs> so he, I actually, you know, it was funny with kids. I was never one of those people that, was like rushing to have kids because I, 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 it was like, it was this desire that I thought, okay, I hope one day I want to have kids, but I didn't have this like burning desire. Like a lot of my friends were like, oh, I can't wait to be a mom. And I didn't have that. I was like, I hope one day I want to be a mom because I was kind of concerned that I didn't have any feelings about it. And then it was when I met Rob and was so deeply in love with him and we had this life together and all of a sudden creating life with him and creating a family felt very right and and became something I really wanted. But until that point, it wasn't, it really wasn't on the cards for me. I hadn't fantasized about my wedding. I hadn't fantasized about having kids. I thought, gosh, I hope I want them because I'm not gonna have kids just to have them. And I'm not gonna get married just yeah. to get married. And I hope I have that feeling because what if I don't and will I miss out on something really special? And And thankfully I met the right person and those feelings came very organically for me. And then I really wanted to have lots of children. Yes, it's weird, isn't it? If you have spent your whole life looking after you, from the sound of things, you were an incredibly independent person and, and, and still are. And so, but I think people that come from, from there, they don't necessarily dream of, like, I never wanted to be a mother. I, I, I never even envisaged holding my own baby or being pregnant. Yeah. You know, lots of women do. And I think that's incredible. It just wasn't on my, on my journey, I guess. And then when I met my husband, it was like, bang I was like oh my fuck that's the person I'm gonna have a child with like it felt it felt very electric it felt very chemical and it felt brilliant but it but it was never in the plan to do it it's so nice to hear other women talk about that because there was definitely a period where I felt like there was something wrong with me because I didn't have those feelings do you know like I it wasn't like I thought babies were cute but I actually thought puppies were cuter do you know, it wasn't like if you, if you had a, if you had a, if you were like, if you were like at a park and there was like a puppy and a, and a baby, like I know who I'd be running to and it would be barking. Do you know what I mean? So it's like nice to hear. Yes. I'm, I'm glad you guys kind of had that feeling because I think for so many women, it comes really naturally that feeling. And for those that don't have that feeling, there can sometimes be this, this, this doubt within yourself of, oh my God, am I, am I not that person? Or am I, am I, is there anything wrong with me? You know, like you can have that thought. And I I definitely had gone through those thoughts before going, why do I feel so neutral about it? Why do I feel indifferent about it? That's, that's weird. So, so when you actually got pregnant, how, how were you feeling um, around kind of being pregnant and the labor, I mean, the labor and kind of the the sort of any fears around it? Or did that, that come quite naturally to you? 
I mean, any fears about it? I feel like every fear was there. Well, first of all, when, yeah. I, when I found out I was pregnant, I was so happy because at that point I really wanted to be a mother and I wanted to be, you know, starting this family. And I felt so incredibly blessed to be pregnant. And it was like that weird thing where it's like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And oh my God, I'm pregnant. You know, it was like, I think the yeah. first two months I thought, I thought the embryo was just going to like fall out of me. I was like afraid to pee. Like I just was like... <laughs> walk slowly like you just don't and you don't even know if it's still in there you're kind of like checking in but there's no signs you know it was just like I just remember I read all of the Harry Potter series I stayed in bed I was really nauseous and I I would just like walk to the bathroom like there was like some sort of barrel between my legs because I was really worried something was just gonna like like plop out it was just the weirdest um feeling but you know my pregnancy my pregnancy was amazing. I mean, once the nausea subsided, that was better. The unfortunate bit was I had gestational diabetes. So kind of like I only had like a month of, it was like the nausea went away and I was like, oh, finally I can eat. And then about like a month and a half later, it was like, you've got diabetes, you can eat nothing. It was just oh, like, oh, no. Okay, so tell us what happens when you have just gestational diabetes, just for those people who don't know. Well, it's really annoying. I mean, diabetes runs in my family. I figured it would probably be the case with me. But so the night before I had my test, which is totally counterproductive, I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. I know they're going to tell me I have it because my mom had it. My grandmother had it. So I just ate a whole tin of Rice Krispie treats, like like some sort of thing. Right, <laughs> like right before you go to rehab, I guess. It was like my prehab. I just like basically wolf down as much sugar as possible because I knew they're going to take it away from me. So, so <laughs> Basically, you do this test. It's like you do the first test, um, which is you drink some horrible sugary drink, and then you wait an hour, and then you pee. And in most people's cases, they say, okay, you're fine. Obviously, for me, I failed miserably. So then you have to go back and do another test, which really sucks, which is kind of like a three-hour test. You can't eat anything. You drink the sugary drink, and then you have to test your blood every hour for three hours. You can't drink any water. You can't eat any food, and you're in the hospital. And it's really annoying because actually, if you have gestational diabetes, which I did, you actually feel really sick from that because you're just pumping yourself. So anyway, so I failed again. So basically what happens is what you have to do is you have to take your blood four times a day, every day for the rest of the pregnancy. So I had like the equivalent of like track marks on my fingers because I was, you know, I'd be like, and it'd be funny because you'd have to take it out in public. Like if you went to eat. You know, and it, people would look at you because you're, you know, you're basically like needling yourself at, at the table. But, um, you know, you have to really watch. You can't, you have to be really careful with sauces. You, you, know, you end up eating a lot of almonds. There's just no sugar. And for me, I was pregnant in the summertime. So you can't really have fruit. You can have like 10 grapes. That can be your sugar. Or you can have a quarter of a watermelon. You know, but like you, you can't have, you can't have anything. It sucks. And if you do, on the odd occasion, like for me, my weakness was Mr. Whippies in the park. So like, fuck, right? With a flake in it, you know? Yeah, Yeah, and sprinkles or no, I mean, whatever, just shove it all on. So like when it was hot and I was really feeling sorry for myself, every now and then a Mr. Whippy would make its way into my mouth and I would just walk around the park for like, the best thing you can do is like, I'd check my blood. I'd have a bunch of almonds before I would have it just to like stabilize my blood sugar. And then I would just walk for like 45 minutes, half an hour just to drop my blood. But I was very careful because, you know, I was so scared I was going to do something to the baby. So, you know, obviously, you know, as time time went on, I, you know, you know, the, the baby was getting bigger. They wanted to make sure to induce me. Luckily, I kind of went into labor the day before they were going to induce me. 
Um, but they still had to break my water and, um, and they still had to give me the, um, Pitocin to speed it up, which is pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, Did you have a birth plan? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Negatory. Neg- well, I wanted to have a water birth, but because I was an at-risk pregnancy, they would not let me have a water birth. By the way, I, I probably would have, it would have been a disaster. I probably would have pooped in the water and whatever, but I, they did not let me have a water birth. So I had to do a traditional, all I wanted to do was avoid a C-section because I thought that seemed like the most difficult way to do it because of the aftermath. Yeah. What, about, what about you guys? Did you have natural births or did you have C-sections? What was... Yeah, no, we both we both had um or what how they how they say natural births, didn't we, Zoe? Yeah. Both very different. Yeah, I mean George and I I mean I mean we had epidurals. I wanted to do the water thing, but then I was I just it just wasn't Luna wasn't coming out. It went on and on and on and on. With Kit, who was my second, I knew what you know, you just know what you're in for, don't you? So you're like, do it now. Um so it was much yeah. quicker and much more enjoyable the second time round. But yeah, no no C sections for either of us. No, no C-sections. I did have the induction though, and I absolutely feel your pain with how painful that is when it when it happens. I I had to get induced with both Teddy and Charlie. It was just so so unpleasant. The in, in yeah, it it was not fun at all. I never naturally broke my water either, and I swear they put like a knitting needle up you, and it's yeah. it's, it's it's brutal, man. It's brutal. It is graphic. brutal. I feel sorry for being so graphic, but I feel like. This should be detailed because women, no one told me that someone was going to stick a knitting needle. I didn't even know that was a thing. The indu- I mean, it's gory. It's graphic, right? It's yeah, you really, you really have to like be brave because it, like you said, nobody, none of your friends, your friends tell you bits and pieces, but I think everybody yeah. holds back because nobody wants to really tell you because if they, if they really told you, you probably would be like, uh, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm not going through this. So I think people do definitely hold stuff back. I wish my friends had been more honest with me. So I was more prepared. Oh. I was so brutally honest with my friends afterwards. Oh, well like Susie, Susie, Amy got the full rundown from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I definitely, you know what I did before I gave birth to Teddy, which was a really bad idea. It was I watched one born every minute. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Terrible idea. If there's anyone pregnant out there, do not watch one, one born every minute right before you give birth. It's no. not what you want to do. No, no, right. no. Even watching it now, I clench the whole yeah. time I'm watching it. I, I hold my breath the whole time I'm watching it, and then I act like I'm in labor. It is not, yeah. it's just not a good program for some people to watch. No, it's, I, I don't recommend it. I don't. Recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> so, we're going to be back with our lovely guest just after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Laura Wright, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Music in My Life. In this series, I'm talking to some amazing guests about their favorite pieces of music. We'll be delving into the music they listen to and why it shaped them throughout the years. It's like intense. It made me feel cooler and stronger and harder than I was. But the man on board had had cancer and that's obviously become a big part of my life. I can listen to it now, reminding myself where I've come from. He just completely lost it as we'd, we pulled up to the, to the hospital. You can find it wherever you found this podcast. Just search Music In My Life. Now, let's pick up where we left off with our wonderful guest. You've spoken about um, your feelings before you had the babies and, you know, your fears around, you know, there were a lot of fears, I guess. And, and also so many fears. That, that maybe you didn't want to be a mother before, like I've spoken about as well. What was that moment like when you held Teddy? How did you feel? Uh, was the bond there instantly or did it take a few months? Do you know what? No, the bond was there instantly. And I don't mean in some soppy way where it was like, because it's like the biggest blind date ever, right? Like, yeah. it's like you're like, what are they going to look like? Who is this person? Oh my God, we're, we're, we're together forever now. Luckily for me, I was just, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe because I'd gone through whatever I'd gone through with the diabetes and they were like, you know, the, the worry or, you know, once she was just in my arms, I was just so grateful she was in my arms and I... I just felt so lucky to to be her mommy. I just just I just felt overwhelmed with this feeling of my 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 little my little pink power is here and she's on my chest and you know it was it was a huge moment of relief and love and exhaustion and you know it was it was like here's my family, here's my unit, we did it. Yeah. Um you know, it, but it's a very overwhelming moment. And, and, you know, also I think what did hit me though, that was difficult was just like, you have this moment, you know, and I have some friends that obviously it took them longer and that's also very normal to kind of go, okay, you're a stranger. I, I, I love you, but I don't, Ooh, what is yeah. this? And that's also really normal and totally healthy and fine. And like, I feel bad that anyone thinks it should be anything different because yeah. your experience is so personal it just, you know, you're, you're not, one way is not right. One way is not wrong. You're not supposed to feel it's, it's your own journey. You know, it's your own thing. But what I did find really intimidating was the breastfeeding immediately was just, that was, I thought that was going to be some really natural, normal, like you just plunk them on, you know? And it was like, you know, like, you know, the colostrum was like a droplet. It was like nothing, you know, it was like, my poor baby's going to starve. And then you're trying to like, jam your breast in this baby's mouth and you're doing it wrong and someone tells you to hold it like a C and there's people coming in and you're like, why can't I do this? And then it hurts and your boobs feel like bumpy armor. They just feel like swollen and ugh, you know, and, and you're not, you're not, I don't think you're prepared for, and the fatigue, you're not prepared for like, cause you just hit the ground running. And I remember this feeling of like, actually really enjoying being in the hospital because there was someone there to help me and take me through all of it. And I was so nervous yeah. to, to leave. I was like, do I have to leave? Can I stay? <laughs> yeah, you don't want you don't want to go, do you? You're kind of like, I sort of want to go, but then who's going to help me? Who's going to do all of this? Oh, shit, it's me. Yeah. I don't want it to be me. <laughs> Fuck, I'm not ready for this. And the, oh, this is a funny thing about my birth that I forgot to say was, so before I finally ended up having an epidural, but before the epidural, I was like really like so afraid of the C-section and that epidural would slow everything down. And I really wanted to like go guns a blazing. So I just did the gas and air for like six hours. And and Robbie kept stealing my gas and air. They were passing it around like a, <laughs> like a 
It was my mother and my mother-in-law and Robbie. I swear it was like, it was like a hookah and they were passing around and I, I, I would, they would just pass it. They, I wouldn't even get it from my contraction. They would just I'd be like, hello, can I get some fucking air please? Like literally. And then, oh and, then and then at some point Rob got really tired from taking my gas and air and just fell asleep for a couple hours. Oh, great. Like, so okay. yeah. Yeah. So lucky you had your mom and your mother-in-law then really. I was very lucky that I had, although, do you know what's so funny is that they were filming the whole thing from the wrong angle, I would like to say. Oh, God. Yes. And I never saw the video because why would I watch such video? And I was months later loading something up on my computer that I taped, not knowing it was the same SIM card. And you know, when you have like so much data that it like you're, you're, you get the spinny wheel and like the photos freeze. Well, all of a sudden, the photos start loading, and it freezes on the baby Cuddy crowning out of me. Uh, and it was oh like, oh, oh my god! I'm telling you, that is something you never want to see your own body do. It yep. was shocking. It was like it was like anaconda. It was like <laughs> like some alien shit. It was like, oh my god! I can't believe it did that. And how it how did it ever go back? It was it was a remarkable visual that I will never. Unsee. But also, I hate to remind you this, but your mother-in-law filmed that. So exactly. she has also that image in her head for the end of time. Literally, my mom <laughs> and my mother-in-law have my food so ingrained in their brains. It will probably be the last thought before they leave this earth is what they thought. <laughs> it's your very own one born every minute. It's my own. Exactly. Why do I even need to tune in? I've got my own episode. But exactly. also, oh, and you know what that naughty pop star did? So he he had some work to do. He had to leave the next day, and then he had some more work. And I get home from the hospital. I guess he's done Graham Norton, right? But he's not warned me about what he said. And in the interview, I'm, I'm literally sitting with Teddy, just home from the hospital, and we're watching Daddy on Graham Norton because he had something else. So we thought we'd watch him on TV because he was busy doing something else. And he only and he only goes during the interview. Describe they ask him about the birth, and he says it was like watching his favorite pub burn down. That is exactly what David <laughs> says. That's what David <laughs> says. My favorite pub just fucking burning down in front of my eyes. Yeah, that was Emma Thompson was on the couch, and I think she took it <laughs> after that interview and used it. I was mortified. Mortified. saying that but also my husband didn't say it publicly to like 10 million people so I'm sorry I think that was the bit it was the 10 million people thinking about my vagina like that that kind of (laughs) you're a bit sensitive too when you've just given birth so I don't know that it was like maybe wrong time wrong place I don't know it was emotional but anyway I was very lucky she was healthy and safe and wonderful and it was a very wonderful delivery in that sense and obviously, I mean, there's loads that we could talk, but I'm just wary of the time. So I just, I kind of want to brief, briefly talk about your mental health afterwards, after the kids, how, how you recovered, how you felt, and your kind of support network and what you lent on. Because if anybody's kind of going through any struggles, how did you find oh, it in that period? You know what? I had a lot of, I had a lot of struggles. I had a lot of, I mean, I don't know how graphic we get on this thing. I mean, I had tearing. No, we go. We share everything. Okay. So I had second degree tears. That sucks. And there was a situation. I don't even, I don't even think I can bring myself to say it, but you know, it was, I had to sit on a donut is all I'm going to say. And I felt very gimpy. And then what happened was I got mastitis three times, which was just horrendous. And I felt like I was in this vicious 
pumping, feeding cycle. I had blisters that had popped from the feeding wrong on the breast. I mean, it was like, it was probably a very, it was a wonderful time, but a really low time because I felt so physically depleted. And you're the only, obviously like no one can do that job for you. And, um, you know, and I remember being, I had this weird stage where I was, I had the fears in me. I don't know if it was postpartum or, you know, but it was that thing where I was really worried something was going to happen to her, you know, like, like I would have these very irrational thoughts, something, you know, I would leave the house and I would, you know, I I functioned, but I definitely feel like I had a touch of something because there was a, there was an abnormal level of anxiety that I was experiencing. Yeah. We hear that a lot, actually, from mums that, you know. Is that postpartum? What is that? Is that just normal? I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people go through. I don't necessarily know if it's, you know, completely what's supposed to happen or, you know, is classed as normal. But we definitely hear a lot of people say that, especially anxiety around things happening and you being yes. sort of having that real motherly instinct to protect. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a strange thing that comes over you, actually, and you feel yeah. very, like, territorial. I felt like I was going mental, though. I was like, this is like, why are you just chill out, you know? But, you know, I have to say, like, all those things that happened on my first did not happen with Charlie. You know, he he fed better. It was probably I was more relaxed. I didn't get mastitis. You know, I didn't have the same level of anxiety. You know, it was just a very different experience. And maybe it's just a first-time mom thing where you're – but I think it can happen, you know, it can happen to anyone. But I, I was very open about – I think it's really important to be open about – you know, I was open about how scared I was and the anxieties I was having – um, but I just found, yeah, the first few months was tough because of the, the mastitis and the, you know, and then you're just, you're just on an endless cycle of antibiotics. And then, you know, I was just like, oh, I need some sleep. I just, and I need, and this is the other thing is you're not allowed to have coffee or wine. And you've just gone through a year of doing that when you, when you need it the most. Yes, I was like, exactly. Dear God, help me, help me. I was like, and you and you'd, you'd pump and dump and you'd feel so mixed about it. I was like, is that glass of wine worth it? Yes, it fucking is. <laughs> it is. It Absolutely is. it is. You do what you do what you can to get the bloody glass of wine. How was Robbie during this period? And, and was he kind of understanding about what you were going through? Were you vocal with him or were you bottling it up and keeping it? I'm not going to lie. Rob was useless. Robbie, was, no. Robbie Williams was useless. He was he was on the like sleeping fourteen hours regime and oh, waking me up and 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 kind of like he'd wake up after me being up all night with the baby and he'd be like he'd wake up literally after like fourteen hours and be like oh I'm so exhausted I was like there were these moments where I wanted to be like you know like the ice pick out you said what you know like you know he was he was in Robbie world and he was working it was fine but you know what I will say. He has changed many diapers. He was very good. As once he was awake, once he was conscious during the day, he was very attentive and very good at taking care of the baby and being a great daddy. He wasn't an absent daddy. But, you know, when we, I think also maybe I created my own wall when I was going through this anxiety because I was so protective of Teddy and all these things I had to do. I think there was also maybe no way for him to get in in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, you know, I'm joking when I say he was useless, but I, I think I took, I think like women, we, we put the whole thing on our backs and carry it. Do you know what I mean? You feel like you're failing if you don't, you have to, this is your job. This is your responsibility. You know, this is what a mother does. So I feel like, you know, I, I maybe didn't make that much room for him anyway, but he was, he was a great daddy. He was. He didn't do any of the night feeds, so I will call him out on that. But everything else, <laughs> everything else he did. 
Um, so we have a lot of parents obviously listening to this podcast and we always like to share like the best piece of advice that you've ever been given or like a piece of advice you'd like to give to a new parent or, you know, an old parent, whatever. Oh, well, my, you know what my friend said to me once and it's stuck in my head. And I don't know if this is, this isn't advice. This was just like, it's dawned on me now that I'm a parent of four children. Uh, I'll start with this and then I'll like, I'll, I'll then reverse it with like a positive. But I remember when, you know, that test you do when you're waiting for all the like genetic disorders to come through, you know, when you're pregnant and they're, they've taken your blood and you wait two weeks to see if, you know, your baby Everything's has. Okay. So, yeah. Right. And there's that waiting period. I remember with Teddy, I called my friend and I was like, I'm so nervous. What if something's wrong? You know, you go through that thing. And she had a child that was now like, you know, a couple months old, older. And she said, I said, I'm just so worried. And she goes, and you think it stops once you have the baby? She said, welcome to the rest of your life. And I was like, it, I was like, uh-huh. And it's so true that since then, you know, my first thing that I think of when I wake up is my kids. The last thing I think about when I go to bed is my kids, you know, and it is a parent's plight to constantly think about, I've never stopped thinking about my kids since the day I became a parent. Um, I would say the best advice I could give anyone is that, they, that they are truly enough. And I don't mean that in like a cliche, you know, hallmark greeting card sort of way. I just think, I just think I see a lot of parents, including myself, really underestimate what they're doing, you know, not give themselves enough credit, burn the candle at all ends and still think they're failing, including myself. And, and to it's, and it's so much easier when someone else tells it to you than you tell yourself, but, but that you're enough, you know, it's like, it's a really, amazing job, but it's a difficult job being a parent, you know, and, and nobody is perfect. It's a demanding job. It's the only job where you have no time off and that everything you're doing is, is enough. You know, it's like you, we all are doing the best we can and lockdown, I think has been a really challenging time for people to think they're doing enough, you know, as a parent, because now the demands are even more because your kids are there all day long. And, um, I guess I would just say, yeah, that you're doing enough, you know, like your best is good enough. Um, and, and make sure to drink regular copious amounts of wine. Um, Ida, listen, thank you so much. I just wanted to take this moment and say, I know that Georgia and I, well, I know that Georgia's feeling this as well. Your honesty is refreshing and God, it's disturbing. I think my honesty is disturbing. I'm sorry. I don't have any better advice. I'm still figuring it out. I still, I still have no idea. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have humans that I'm responsible for and I have no clue, but I am doing my best. And thank you for letting me, letting me divulge all, all my, all my experiences and my, my brutal honesty of the experience. I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys. I think it's great for, for this platform where moms can really share and talk about, you know, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Um, and I've just, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So hopefully I haven't, I haven't horrified or shocked too many people and somebody's, somebody's enjoyed if just one person has enjoyed this chat. Wait, we both loved it. So you're winning. We Thank have. You so much. Um, come back and see us soon. Please. Absolutely. Okay. Well, stay safe, ladies. You stay too. And stay strong in the, in the game of motherhood and okay. I will speak to you soon. Drink more wine. I've got the glass right beside me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, she is amazing. Can she please be on you, best mate? I know. Please, Ida, if you're listening, you're invited to our Christmas party. You can you can tell us where we've got to go. You can tell us everything. Tell us what to do, what to wear. We'll be there, won't we, Zoe? She's just she's just mega, isn't she? She's funny. She's normal. Like when she said, you know, some of the time I thought like I was really smashing it as a parent and other times I thought I was the worst mother in the world. I was like, yes, that is exactly how I felt. I know. Same. I mean, you know, when you sort of look at these huge, huge superstars like, you know, like the, like the Williamses, you don't sort of envisage that they go through the same sort of parenting fails and ups and downs as we do. But actually, when it comes down to it, we're all the same, aren't we? Everyone goes through it. Everyone has those feelings. Everyone has hard days. Um, and it's, re- it's, it's reassuring to hear someone like that talk about it so openly as well. Yeah, completely agree with you. And I also loved how she gave us a little insight into how her and Robbie met you know like we really felt you were part of it just the fact that he stood her up before they'd even been on their first date and then she was like she said didn't she that she was standing in a market and then he rang again and he was like you can't be crossing me you don't even know me it's like go on Robbie (laughs) (laughs) I love that absolutely and if anyone's listening to this having just been stood up you know maybe you should give them a second chance after all if they look like Robbie Williams yeah exactly I mean maybe if they're a pop star (laughs) if they're not then definitely definitely not yeah exactly So yeah, love that. I didn't want that chat to end. Um, no, me neither. George and I are lining up two amazing people to come on the podcast next week. So you're going to be in for an absolute treat with that one. But as always, we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And please, if you have time, could you leave us a little review? Because it really helps kind of spread the Made by Mama's word. Yeah, absolutely. And we love reading them. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's okay. it so nice to hear like positive feedback. And also, if you want to drop us some constructive criticism, we will take that as well. Um, but maybe just in our DMs or <laughs> at, made, at, at Made by Mummers or direct them to Zoe at Zoe Hardman. Yes. Um, and we will see you on Friday. We'll see you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.